Hi, this is Sarah French, and this is Talkin' Blues. Tell me about your week in Memphis. Well, it was very busy. Um, a lot of different things going on and so many bands to see. Was this the first time you've been there? No, I went a couple years ago with the Blue Society. Okay. Um, but it's really hard when you're, there's so many different things going on and it's really difficult to sort of pick which ones because sometimes they overlap. Yeah. I was really happy that the Canadians did really well um, in the semifinals and in the finals, of course. Um, the weather was decent and the food's good. <laughs> Music is good. No salads to be found. But. I found some. I did. I had more salad in Memphis this time than I do at home normally, so it's, it was a bonus. Um, okay, so the reason why you were down there was because you've been awarded the Keeping the Blues Alive Award. Yes. Tell me about that experience. Tell me about, I presume Barbara called you up probably a month or so mm -hmm. ago and, yep. and told you. Tell me, <clears throat> where, how did you feel about that? Well, I knew that my name had been submitted for it because the same fellow had submitted me last year um, and it was I just recall it was a Friday afternoon and I'm in my apartment doing whatever I'm doing and uh, she called to tell me that I won. But now, you course, didn't really expect this call? No not at all of course I mean who does really right. um, and of course I couldn't tell anybody Right. so here I am super excited practically skipping down the street to the grocery store afterward and like I, I couldn't tell anybody <laughs> right you know, and, it, and it, that, that was hard because, you know, when all the people that have helped me along the way, all I wanted to do was say, hey, yeah. guess what? But I couldn't. And then when they made the announcement, like, I guess it was three weeks later, um, I, I, was, I slept in because I couldn't sleep the night before because <laughs> I was so excited about it, right? And then I slept in and more, like, people knew about it long before I realized that it, that it was out there on the, on the internet and stuff like that. So that was fun. What did that mean to you? I actually, I mean, I don't know. I think things have changed because when I got it, I was under a certain category. Do they do no. categories anymore? No, okay, no, so it's just for whatever it is you do. Okay, so for those who, people who don't know what Sarah French does, and I'm speaking here with Sarah French at the Blue Summit and talking to her about her award and her life. Um, tell people what you do. I am a publicist. How did you get into be a publicist? Um, I was always at the shows. You know, I would go to blues shows when I was in, you know, late teens and early 20s. Um, Why blues? That's just what, that, that's what I had, that's just all I could figure out, you know. Okay. I mean, I don't know the answer, you know. <laughs> but I, it was you, mainly blues. You, oh, yeah, okay. oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember going to the Silver Dollar Room, and it was my 19th birthday. And because I could finally get in, didn't know who the band was. All I knew was that it was blues, and that's where I was going, because I could. Right? So, and that was a long time ago, but um, how I got into the business, I, just through Richard, I think, you know, he, he needed a, an assistant, and I happened to be meeting him for coffee one day, and he said, I need a new girl, and I said, I'll do, you know, I'll be it, and that's what happened. So it wasn't like you had this idea that one day you would become I didn't even, no, I had no idea that it even existed, to be honest, for a long time. Like, I just didn't know. Um, like, I knew what Richard did, because we were good friends. But what was involved in all of it, I had no idea. So I just sort of figured it out as I and went along. And what did you do before this? What didn't I do? I mean, I worked in corporate offices, admin girl, executive, you know, admin girl, um, nonprofits, a lot of stuff like that. Most just office girl stuff. Um, and that's like, if I wasn't doing this, that's pretty much the only thing I could do. Richard offers you, Richard Flohill, the great publicist, offers you this opportunity to, he needed an assistant. Mm -hmm. What did you learn from that experience? Like, what surprised you when you walked in and you really didn't know anything about being a publicist? Um, I, I think, oh, I don't know. I think one of the things was um, that no matter how good the client is or the artist is that you're working for, people still just won't call you back. You know, it just, and I always, like at first I was like, why? I mean, that is just so rude. Because if somebody leaves me a message, I call them back. Um, 
but then I realized oh, I'm not the only one calling them about mm -hmm. an artist. So, you know, you have to take it as it. Okay, so let's step back and say, what is the role of a publicist? What is it that you do? Well, it's to get the names out there. Um, I sort of do full service on my own, so I do like physical mail-outs of CDs um, for radio and um, reviewers. And then if there's a tour dates, you know, I try to get them in, get the artist in the newspaper or on, on the radio in that town mm -hmm. to promote the show. Um, and now with the social media, which we didn't really have a lot of when I started, um, it's using that because that's where people are looking for right. their entertainment, right? So. So when did you start? How many years ago was it? Thirteen. Okay. Wait, oh, twelve, twelve or thirteen. Yeah. So tell me about back then. What was the, how different is the business from back then to now? Well, I, I mean, it changes so quick. Um, like I, a Facebook, you know, was quite new, you know, ten years ago. So we didn't really know how to use it. Right for our purposes, for, for promoting bands, because it was more like reunions with, you know, high school friends and, and shit like that, right? But, um... You can say shit. Okay, shit! Um, yeah, I, people were still, like, there was still more of a business than there is now. You know, we didn't have a lot of streaming or anything like that back right. then, right? Um, some people still used fax machines. And the goal was to get it mainly back then to radio and to writers and newspapers? Yeah, writers and newspapers mostly. Um, the radio, uh, a lot of, like when I was working with Richard, I think there was a lot of uh, uh, people that were doing, like they had a separate sort of radio guy, and a lot of people do, uh, radio trackers and stuff like that. But, um, you know, there was a lot more physical CDs going out. Because right. the digital stuff just doesn't, it didn't really exist. Um, you know, and, and like we were learning to get, uh, to change with the times as well, right? So right. with Richard, he's very old school, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like I said, he still had a fax machine. Right. Um, so, and I was new, but all of these new technologies were also, were coming in too. So it was, you know... Together, we sort of tried to figure it out. I don't know how, um, it wasn't too hard for me, but it might have been more difficult for, for other people, especially if they've been doing it a certain way for yeah, a long yeah. time. Um, how, how did you measure success back then? Like, so an artist comes to you and says, okay, I want to hire you to promote my next album. It's coming out in March. It's this, and it's about this. What, it's, what is the service that you provide for them? Well, I try to get album reviews. Um, in Canada, there aren't that many places to get them um, for, for a blues act because they're, like the blogs and, and stuff aren't, you know, they're run by people that are much, much younger than I am, so they don't, they don't like blues, probably. Mm. Um, I like to see the, the, their names on the, on the Earshot charts, which is a community radio. Um, that makes me happy because that means DJs are playing it right. and that means people are hearing it. Um, and same with album reviews, whenever we can get some. Um, it used to be super exciting to see one come in in the morning, right? But now I, it's, you kind of get used to it, right? Yeah, yeah. Before, I would just be so happy. I'd lose my mind. Oh, my God. Do um, you think they made a difference? I mean, I have to ask because I, I wonder. And, and then, you know, you look at who's actually reviewing them. They're really credible reviewers, and yeah. there's some people who are just music enthusiasts. Right. I think, yes, I, I think, I think that, I think it, it helps. And only, <clears throat> just a basic, like the most simple uh, way to describe it is, even if it doesn't sell, like an album review, if it doesn't sell a record, right. that artist will now have a, a quote to put on their website or in their kit whenever they're trying to get festival gigs or something like that. So depending on who the writer is, you could say so-and-so says this is the greatest album of 2019. Right. Doesn't, like, you know, sometimes people won't realize that so-and-so maybe not as legit as other writers, but somebody said that somewhere and it's imprint and it's permanent. Right. Who would you say, and, and I don't know about now versus back then, but 
like what would have given you a lot of credibility? I presume that there's certain publications that that okay. automatically has credibility. Living Blues, Blues Matters, Penguin Eggs is always exciting because it's Canadian. Right. Um, back then we could get album reviews in the Globe and Mail, which were few and far between. But if you got one, it was a damn good day because it's It was national right. in that. And do you think that, that actually had an impact on album sales? Hard for me to measure, because I, I would never got involved in, in tracking any of the sales. Mm -hmm. um, it, it could only help, like, you know, if people are going to buy the record, um, you know, somebody, more than likely, you know, if, you, if you're looking through book reviews, you buy the book, right. right? If you're seeing, like, all the new releases in books in the Globe and Mail, yeah. how many times have you bought the book because you just read about it? Somebody's doing that with music. Mm -hmm. Too, or if you read a review about a film, you go to the theater. Same thing. There's just no way to, for me to know for sure whether or not Living Blues is selling records for us. Um, but if it's an esteemed publication that people are going to to find their new music, I can only assume yes. Right. And so, how long were you with Richard? Two years. Okay, so at one point you decided you're going to go off on your own. Was that was that the way it worked? No, actually, I. I <laughs> if you don't mind talking about no, it. No, no, he knows this. I, I, living in Toronto and and being, you know, older than, uh, most people that, he's had working for him, um, I just I simply just had to get a real job, so I did, um, and that lasted a little while, and then I got hired by True North Records. So, so you got out of the business trying to make more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, with benefits and right, right. you know, medical and all that stuff. Um, and what was that like? Hard. That was hard because I was so used to um, a different way of life, really. Um, you know, your office. If you're supposed to be there at eight o'clock to, you know, turn the lights on in the office and open the door and, you know all that things and, and you know all the other staff are coming in at the same time and then we're all leaving at the same time and you know everything's so structured which I, I hadn't been used to mm -hmm. right um, so it was a little the, the adjustment was hard um, but it's probably good for me you know to have a little structure otherwise I wouldn't be doing as well as I am now so so, so yeah. you, you got you got this real job yeah "Quote unquote real job," <laughs> and and got a little bit of structure, but you you said it didn't take very long for Linus to call you. Yeah, they. I guess I'm trying to remember what, exactly what happened, but I just I remember going for the interview and starting like two days later, and I okay. was there for a year, and I learned a lot there too. So tell um, me what you learned there. So actually, tell me about Linus. Tell me what Linus Entertainment is and who they represent. Oh, at the time. Oh, it was uh, Black and the Rodeo Kings, um, uh, Sophie Millman was one of them, um, Colin Linden's solo projects, Stephen Fearing's solo projects. Downchild? Downchild Down at the time? No, I don't, oh, no. Okay. I don't think so, no. This would have been in 2008, so, gosh, yeah. it's, it's hard. There was some jazz, jazz projects. Um, Alana Miles. Um, we, we had quite a few. Quite a few. It's hard to remember. And how different was that? Because now we're talking about Americana roots music versus blues, which I don't think Richard was only restricted no, to blues. No, no, we weren't, we weren't just uh, blues with Richard, for sure. Um, the difference was, I think, with, with when I worked with Richard, is because we would be presenting a lot of shows too, so it wasn't just album right, right. promotion. So we'd be at Hughes Room, you know, once a month with a different concert or different performers, which I think um, uh, it was just incredible experience. Um, Linus and True North, you know, that's a that's a bigger company, much mm -hmm. larger company, and there was other staff there besides besides me, and it had structure that that was good. Um, because there's a lot to do, um, and, and like I said, they were, they were a big, big, um, I wouldn't say corporation, I don't know if that's the right word, but... Certainly a, a bigger office. A bigger, a bigger office with, with, you know, departments, right? right. So, you know, there's a, there's a, 
a lot to learn there, but I was already getting used to doing what I do. Um, and that, yeah, that was great. That was a lot of fun. What was too. the biggest adjustment? Or what, what did you learn the most by going to Linus? Um, I learned, a, well, I learned a lot more about sort of, I don't know if, again, this word corporate, I don't know if that's the right word, the, the corporate side of the music business, you know, the office work, right. as opposed to just presenting shows and mailing out albums and talking to, you know, reporters all day long. Um, because there was a lot of business being done right. there, um, as opposed as opposed to, you know. But was it different because now it was an independent artist coming to you and hiring you or because it was a, a record company that was representing their artists? Yeah, yeah, there was that. Um, but like I said, there was a lot more business stuff to learn or that I was learning uh, just from being there, right. um, which is stuff that, that we wouldn't have with an independent tiny little... An example? Give me an example of business stuff. Finding out, you know, about the funding, right. um, mechanical rights, uh, different things like that. Um, all the different organizations that, that are involved in, in making sure that, that Canadian artists are successful. Like I know about SoCan and, and stuff like that, but, you know, there's a, a lot of other ones as well. Mm -hmm. but, um, and, it's a, and what you can do you know, if you're a larger company like that and you get a little funding, you can, it's a lot more successful than having two indies just sitting in the basement of the house working on computers, right? right? So that was really fun. You know, graphic designers and all of these things. Like, there's a lot going on um, for the business side of music that I just didn't, didn't, uh, didn't know about. So. And how long did that last? I was there for about a year. And is that when you decide to go on your own? Yep. Yeah, I went on my own, but I also ended up getting like another quote-unquote real job and then starting my company part-time. Um, and I did that for quite some time. And I think it's only been, I guess the last seven years I've been, that's all I do. So it was more of start... Start with as a company, get some money while I start to establish your own. Yeah, yeah. So I would work during the daytime at, you know, somebody's office, doing office girl stuff. And then at nighttime and on the weekends, I'd be, I'd be working on my own. Because at one point or another, you decide this is what you wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to stop. Um, whether or not I wanted to do it full time, it never really crossed my mind, to be honest. I just always thought that I'd be, you know, executive office girl with like a fun hobby that right. made a little money on the side. So what made it, what made the difference? Just, I kept getting more and more people asking me to work for them. Um, and I had moved to a smaller town uh, outside, of, outside of Toronto and I got a real job, quote unquote, real job there. And um, they fired me after not long. Um, but that day, I got two giant contracts to work for artists. Just totally out of the blue, not related the, to anything. Not related. To, it was just. So you had like you, a really bad day and a really good day at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's like all of a sudden I, I, and then I had the time to do it. And where I was living at the time was uh, a lot less expensive than Toronto, so I thought if I don't do this now, I'm never gonna. I have to make this work because I live in this small town, I don't know anybody, I need to make some money, and so I hustled. Can I ask who those two artists were, or is that not allowed? Um, one of them was Steve Strongman, okay. and we won a Juno that year for the album. It was a, a natural fact, mm -hmm. so that was great. And the other one should go unnamed. Okay. Um, at that point, you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna do this on my own. Did you have a goal? No, I don't plan ahead very well. I just, I never have, you know, like I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Well, maybe the Blues Awards, <laughs> but, you know, I just, I don't, I just do things as they come. Um, and, and, you know, when I got those two contracts, um, that, like I said, it was basically that day that I got fired. Um, that was the only thing I knew. The only goal I had was to get through without a real job. Mm -hmm. 
and then I realized I, I had a real job, and that was it. How did that change things, though? Because now, well, I mean, you're lucky to get those two mm -hmm. things, and you don't know when the next thing will come yep. by. So and now it you still have to, happens. Right. Still happens. I think because of the, because, you know, one of them was, was a, a very very popular, uh, Canadian blues artist. Um, I think if people see that I'm working for the big guys, right. then I can't be that bad at my job. Is you this know? something that you go out and solicit, or is nope. it always people coming to I've you? I've never had to ask. I've never, I mean, people come to me all the time. Um, because you also don't want to work for people who you don't really like No, I wouldn't. Music, right? I wouldn't. You know, um, that's not fair to the artist, and it's not fair to me. Um, if I don't like the music, or if I don't think it's going to do very well, um, it's just not fair to take somebody's money mm -hmm. if I don't like it. You know, um, there's somebody out there that does this for a living that will like it and would do a much better job than me. So, so what is that job that you do for them? So, if I'm an artist and I have my new album and I know nothing about the industry, if I came to you and said, Sarah, I have a new album, or maybe I don't even have a new album, but I say, what can you do for me? What do you do for them? Well, I, I generally will work on just new albums because I find it, um, I just find it much easier to get results when there's new material. Um, so like I would mail it to all the Maple Blues panelists, for example, um, which, you know, not everybody has all the addresses right. or has the time to find them. Um, so I always make sure, you know, there's that, obviously. And a lot of those guys are festival buyers. A lot of them are radio guys. So you got two birds and one stone. You're in the hands of the, you know, the people that, that could put your name forth for a Maple Blues Award nomination. And you're getting airplay. And you're probably getting considered for the festival if you're, if you're lucky, right. you know. Um, and again, like with the album reviews and, and, and college radio and special specialty uh, radio blues shows and or folk music shows or whatever it is that we're that we're working on um, and just really just try to get the name out there and keep it on people's minds throughout the year so if I start working for somebody in March and we're doing three months okay so we're done in June but I know you know the the, the Juno submissions are going to be open soon um, you know submitting in a way for the Maple Blues Award so I'm not done my mm -hmm. job right but, you know, even though the contract is up, there's still stuff to do because all of these things sort of build on each other, right? So it's based, usually it's based on a contract thing mm -hmm. where you say it's going to be a month, two months, three months, yep. or whatever. And it's always started, stated at, at the very beginning? Or it, does it, it, is it, it ever, or ever open? Um, well, when I, like with my, I guess my packages, people will pay for, um, what we've agreed on, so three or four months. But, I mean, honestly, there's stuff that happens in five months, six months, seven months that's a direct result of right. what happened yeah. during the first few months. So they basically just pay the one, the one fee, but I really don't. I mean, if I can help somebody, I will. I'm not going to say, here's a bill for 50 cents because I sent you an email. Right. right? Some people do that. But it is a small community as well. Yeah. And it's also... Hopefully they're going to release something else yeah. a year later or yeah. two years later. Yeah. But, I mean, just because, you know, a contract, I mean, I don't even make contracts. I shake hands. Um, just because it's over and, you know, I'm not sending you bills anymore doesn't mean I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hold on to all the, the stuff that's been happening because you haven't paid me in a month. Like, you know, all of these things, it, it, you know, something does happen in a year because of what we did in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody might get booked for a big festival because they got the album six months ago, right? Right. So, you know, it, it, these things take time to sort of build and, and sometimes you don't see the results right away, but there, something will always be, be happening because of it. You know? So in this world of emails and social media, how much, how much contact is there over the phone? I try to do it as much as I can. Because, um, and why do you think that that's important as opposed to just exchanging e emails? 
at this point, like, I think in 2019, for somebody to actually pick up a phone and make a call instead of sending an email or a text shows that that person is serious about the conversation that they want to have. Right. Um, emails get lost. They get deleted. They get ignored. Um, you know, I would never text a journalist unless they told me to. Um, you know, there's no business. There's no reason I should be doing that. Um, but... You know, if you leave, if, if you if you get somebody on the phone, chances are it'll be much easier to get what I want from them, mm -hmm. as opposed to hey, how's it going? Generic email that, you know, when there's 200 other people writing to that person that day, right. um, it's just going to get lost. Um, you know, and and it helps to keep the relationship better with the journalist or the or the radio guy too, um, because I'm not just the words on a screen; they can hear what I sound like right. you, know, you can have a good laugh and it's not going to be you know like awkward email humor because sometimes it just doesn't translate very well right well it's you taken know? totally the wrong way yeah yeah i mean you know instead of you know sending a smiley face i am the smiley face on the other right. end of the line and it's you know now how about face to face because I, I, I presume there's a lot of people based out of toronto that you deal with but does I that happen a lot I don't usually, unless it's an, at an event or something, I usually don't um, run into a lot of people, um, at least not, not journalists. I mean, because I, you know, I don't go to a lot of events outside of the sort of bigger ones that I'm involved in, because um, I'm working. <laughs> in case anybody's listening to that, <laughs> I am working. Um, you know, when I, do, when I do run into people, you know, you want to make sure that you say hi to them and... And, or reintroduce yourself if you have to, because sometimes, you know, it's been years since I've seen somebody. So something like the summit, which is where we're at right mm -hmm. now, which happens every two years, I presume that you're meeting up with a lot of people that you might not see on a regular Correct. basis. Yeah, and that's part of the fun of weekends like this, because um, you, you only see the people once a year or twice, you know, once every two years. Um, so you get to catch up, and again, you're sort of, Presenting yourself to them again so that they remember whenever you call them in six months. Oh, yeah You know, I saw her at the Blue Summit. Oh, she's great or you know She told me about such-and-such such band coming up and then that album shows up You know because I've already talked to them about it a little bit and then they get the mail. Oh, yeah Sarah sent that you know, she told us about that How so you've been doing this for seven years on your own and, mm -hmm. and many more before mm-hmm at what point did you think you've established a certain rapport or a certain credibility? When, with, people, with people? when people started telling me I had. Um, I, I don't... Was there a moment or was there, was there a project that um, took I think, you to a different place? Um, this may come out wrong. Um, so forgive me if it sounds a bit like I have an ego or something, but it was when people started to stop me at events um, or, uh, you know, not on the street or anything. I'm not famous, but, you know, when I would go to an event, like so many people would stop me because they wanted to meet me. And prior to that, I mean, like people didn't know what I looked like. I didn't go, I didn't go out very much. Um, I just, you know, sat down behind my desk and worked. So, you know, for people to, you know, they would always, like other people would say, oh, so-and-so really wants to meet you, you know, um, can you look for, for her? But they didn't know who to look for. Mm -hmm. And I would have to say, I'm the one with all the tattoos. Okay. But now, I mean, and, that, and I think that's kind of, you know, to have people like really um, going out of their way to introduce their, themselves to me, uh, I found that a bit awkward. Um, but that, I think that maybe kind of how I knew that my company was doing okay, you know, aside from, you know, banking. Right. Um, I think that was it. Can I ask you how many clients you have? Not just the people who are paying you on contract right now, but over the last number of years, how many people have you worked with? Because I presume a lot of them are repeat customers. A lot of them are. Um, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Okay. It, it would take it would take a lot of uh, sleuthing through my my files to to try to figure. I would uh, probably over a hundred at this point. 
And is it constantly, are people constantly coming to you? Yes. And so you have to turn some away. Because I do, I do. Um, and, and it's funny because sometimes I, I don't hear from, you know, new potential clients or, or new, new projects for a while, and then I, I'll get, you know, three in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. It's always like right? that. You know, and it's like, uh, but... Uh, and have you gotten to a point where you're worried? I've been worried before, sure. You know, because... And this is what, and I, and I, again, this might come out terrible, um, but maybe for if there's an artist listening, just know that um, if you hire somebody like me, please be on time when the invoice comes. Mm -hmm. Only because we don't have, you know, we don't clock in and clock out and get paid every two weeks like somebody with a, a normal job would. So if you're if your bill was, <clears throat> excuse me, due on the first, and you know you still haven't bothered, like it really, really screws us up, you know, because a lot of us just don't have reserves of money sitting around, mm -hmm. you know, and so it, it would help to pay on time, um, and when and whenever there's more than one or, you know, a series of people just being late with their bills or something like that, that's when I worry. Mm -hmm. But again, it's sort of like with the new projects. You know, if I've got, I've, I've had at, at points, I've had $8,000 outstanding and, you know, 100 bucks in my bank. But then all of a sudden, I have $8,000 because everybody paid me that week. Right. Right? So. Mm. So other than that, if somebody comes to you and says, I want to work with you, tell me what you do for me. What do you want the artist to know? And what, what kind of expectations do you create for what, why they well, hire you? Expectations of them or expectations of me? Of going through you. Like if I wanted to hire you to promote my new album, what am I getting and what should I expect? Well, you should expect to um, uh, participate in the process. Explain that. Um, if I ask that you get, you know, high-res album art, please send it. <laughs> you know? like, and and it's, it's really hard because some people... Like they, they, you know, they make an album and they just don't know what to do with it next. All of these pieces should be in place mm -hmm. before, before I start because you know, these are things that we need to have. We need to have photos and I need to know who took the photo. Right. Okay, but is there a point? Like, are they always coming to you with the final product or can they say, I'm in the studio right now? I'm gonna oh, there's it. a lot of those too. Okay. So, so th those are the ones that are easier to sort of um, take on because... Everything like we're still they're still building the pro the, right. the project, so I can help build it with them by saying you need to have this done before we start. And because we haven't started yet, it's easier for them to to get new photos or to to, to get IS, ISRC codes. I mean, <laughs> these things are not rocket science. No, but a lot of me, the musicians don't know. Well, they should. They should know. Yes. They should know because that's money. Um, Here's a question for you about album covers. Because, mm. you know, I hate to say it, but independent, and I can't say it's not only in the blues, but in various genres, people who produce their own albums spend a lot of money or as much money in the studio and getting other musicians to play on one or, or getting rights to songs. But sometimes it seems like the last thing they think about is the actual album art. Mm -hmm. And there's some horrible, horrible, yep. horrible album art yep. out there. Yep, and it doesn't help anybody because when a DJ or a reviewer, it, it doesn't matter. Like, people do judge books by the cover. Mm. And same with albums, right? Yeah. Um, and, do you ever and, run into that? Do you ever go, oh, oh you got to do something about that? I've, I've actually, uh, I remember taking on a client and I told him, I said, you need to, you need to redo this. I will, uh, it's a great, uh, it sounds great. Have really great music, but it looked like a kindergartner had had had, had drawn the the album cover. Um, unfortunately, that backfired because the next album art was, you know, the grade one version of of the uh, the previous one. But that, I mean, some guys, uh, some bands, it, it, that's what they. But it must they, be difficult like for you because that's also the, uh, representing your business. Uh, I mean, even band names themselves. I've, I've, I've had some doozies, and I'm sure the music is great, but I can't, I cannot um, 
we spend, you know, six months trying to explain to journalists oh, about, about the name of the band. Right. I mean, these are important things. You, you might think it's funny if you're just playing in a shitty bar in Victoria, you know, to have a funny name. And that's going to draw people because your band name is hilarious or, or odd. But if you're trying to take the next steps and you're called, you know, something, it doesn't matter. I'm, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to give it away, but, you know. But you'll tell me afterwards. Right? I will. I will. Um, you know, like, it, it's just, you got to think of these, you got to think these things through. Yeah. Um, and I guess they also have to think how big they want to be. I mean, if you're going to basically stay in your local area and that's it. Then it doesn't you, matter. Yeah, maybe it doesn't matter. Or um, if you don't want to grow your audience, then it's, then why would they hire you? I right. Guess. But I mean, in all fairness, a lot of these guys are, are probably, um, you know, working day job. Mm -hmm. You know, old fellows that started the band in the garage, you know, while the wives had tea. Right. right? Um, but, you know, if you really want to go to the next, the next level, whatever that level is for your I mean, do you talk about band. the levels? I mean, do you think you come to me and you hire me for three months, this is what we want to do. We want to get you on some festivals. We want to get you on some radio, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there are some that are like right out of the gate saying, you know, um, get me a review in Rolling Stone. <laughs> And it, it happens. Oh, I'm and, sure. And, you know, as much as I like to be um, positive, that's not going to happen. Right. You know? Like, not, not I mean, with, with some of the people that I work with, um, I mean, just put it out of your mind. You know? Be happy with what you do get, mm -hmm. um, but don't be upset that you didn't get. Right. And you have to be realistic you know, about it. Classic this. Rock Magazine in the UK, I'm sorry. You know, they're just... It could happen. Chances are it's not going to. You know, you're not Eric Clapton. You're, mm. you know, whoever, right? Right. And it doesn't mean that they don't deserve to be. It just, it just hard, you know? What's the worst part of your job? What's the best part of your job? Worst part of my job? Ooh. When something doesn't go as well as I expected it to, for whatever, whatever reason, either, you know, the timing of the album or you know, um, certain tour dates, um, you know, sometimes you just can't get what you wanted. Mm -hmm. And that really, that really bothers me because I know I did my best and I hope that the artists would know that as well. And they've paid me for something and they didn't get it. And it, it, it's just out of, sometimes it's just beyond my control, you know. Um, if you're doing a series of tour dates but they're all in very, very small towns in the middle of nowhere that don't have a newspaper, you're not going to get an interview because mm -hmm. there's no paper, right? But that person has paid me to try to do these things, so whenever I'm doing my research, I realize, oh, my God, well, there's nothing we can do here. Or if you're you know, hiring me for a series of tour dates and half of them are house concerts, well, we don't, you know, we don't get press for house concerts because it's a private event. Right. Um, things like that. Um, and like I said, sometimes it doesn't, know, it doesn't matter what you do or how hard you've worked um, or how good the music is. Sometimes it just doesn't go as well as planned, you know. Um, and so that, that really hurts because it, I feel like I've failed, you know. The best part? The best part is hmm, there's a lot of really great parts. Um, the fact that I mean, the fact that I get to, to do this and get paid and, and, you know, put food in my fridge and pay the bills for the most part um, on time. Um, and and I get to work at home so I don't have to commute, you know. And in Canadian winters, you just don't fucking want to go outside. And I don't have to because I don't have to go anywhere. And, and you know, like, because I get to be... You know, I get to go to Memphis and collect awards and everybody applauds and, and all of these things that just are not things I'm used to. What does that award mean to you? It means that there's been value in what I've been doing because when, when things are going really well, it's easy to be, be more grateful when everything's going really well, you know, and, and you're making money and, and your projects are very successful and then there's the times that we talked about where there's just, you know, you get really worried 
Mm -hmm. um, and those, those times are really hard to deal with because you just don't, sometimes you just can't see the end of it. But getting an award like that kind of made it all a little worthwhile because somewhere along the line I've done something, right? Well, it's a nice recognition from the industry. Yeah, and the people yeah. in the blues. You know, and it's just not something I would have ever expected. But, um, you know, I don't even win on scratch tickets, for God's sakes. So, um, it just it just means that all the, the you know, you know, for lack of a better term, blood, sweat, and tears, it's been worth it somewhere because somebody's paying attention. I don't know if it's fair to single out a project, but is there any project that you've worked on for whatever reason, because it might have been your first major project or whatever, is there anyone that's been really special to you? That they all are. Of course, they, they all they're are. all your little children. Um, I, I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't have a favorite child. Anything that was like a a, a, a milestone to you, that, I, I, you? A milestone for me, I think, would be. The night I got, in, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had an email on my phone that I was checking and, and it was from Kevin Bright and he wanted me to work for him and I thought, oh my God, Kevin Bright has my phone number? He knows who I am, right? I mean, I don't get starstruck, but it's Kevin motherfucking Bright, okay? I'm sorry, he's just that, you know, I just, I'm such a fan. Um, and, and it, was a, it was a fantastic album with a fantastic story. And it's one I still listen to to this day, four years, five years later. Um, so that, that meant a lot to me um, because it just sort of made me feel like, you know, I wasn't, you know, some un, unknown woman sitting behind a computer, you know, promoting music. But, you know, when, when Kevin Bright calls and tells you and asks you to work for him, you say yes, yeah. you know, and that, that meant a lot to me because it, it, it was probably one of the, my first bigger artists. And then getting like a Juno Award, you know, for um, album work on, with Steve Strongman, mm -hmm. that was my first one. And then, you know, two years later, I got another one with Steve Hill. Um, the following year, <laughs> I got another one, <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, have, seeing all the Juno Awards come in for... Um, even the, just nominations, which I've, I've had a lot uh, of projects I've worked on that have been nominated, but whenever they win, and everybody deserves to win, and it makes me really happy that I had a small part to play in somebody getting the biggest award you, know, you can get in Canada for mm -hmm. music, right? Um, so I believe, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, I am though, um, I think I've got four of the last six Juno Awards for blues for projects I've worked on. Wow. And you have a few in the running this year. I do. And I'm going to go, and it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that makes me really happy to see that, that the artist, um, all the hard work that they've put in has been recognized by the industry. Never mind my part in it. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to be part of the team, of course, but... Um, it's nice to see people getting recognized. For sure. When they should. Um, a few years ago, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I'm going to ask you, and you can tell me if you don't want to, but a few years ago, you had some health issues. Mm -hmm. How did that, tell me what, it, what you went through and how okay. that changed you. Well, it was almost two years ago. Um, in uh, 2017, I guess, I had a heart attack. I was at home. Um, for anybody listening, I'm not overweight. I'm not out of shape, you know. None of those things that you would assume. Um, Any history in the family? Nope. No, nope, just me. Very, very lucky. <laughs> you know, I always like to do things a little differently. So, um, yeah. So it was mild, but it was enough to. Um, well, I'm fucked for life, basically. Um, so you get to see my medicine cabinet. It's quite a, quite a collection over there of stuff that I have to take every day. Um, what did you feel? Like, what happened? It just felt like, I guess it was like a heartburn, but I don't know because I never had heartburn before. Right? So I just think, oh, my God. I'm like, what did I eat? But then it, you know, basically short of breath. It's not like on TV either. Like, you don't, like, clutch your chest and fall to the floor. I mean, right. that probably happens to people, not to me. And not, and not to women. It's always different. 
Um, but it, it does happen to a lot of women. It happens to us a lot, yeah. Um, cardiac disease is the leading cause of death in Canada for women. Um, just so you know. Um, you know, I didn't believe it when they told me. You know, and they said, you know, by the time I got through the hospital and they did all the blood tests and stuff like that, they said, that you've had a heart attack. And I said, fuck, what? <laughs> like, how is that even possible? It's me, right? But, you know, you're under stress. You know, I was very, you know, on how smoking cigarettes and, you know, um, probably not eating the best. And, and, but I went to the gym. I worked out all the time. Walked my dog seven kilometers every day. That kind of stuff. Just, you just, oops. <laughs> you know, all the, all, the, all the poor decisions I made when I was younger caught up with me, I guess. Um, but I was working from the hospital the whole time, in case anybody's wondering whether or not they should hire me. Because um, what else are you going to do? I couldn't leave. Right. I couldn't, like, you know, I could walk around. How has it changed your life? Other than the multiple pills you have to take every day. Wow. I mean, that's just impressive as it is. I mean, you've got a fistful of pills every day for breakfast. It's great. Um, it's caused me to be more mindful about how I treat myself, um, health-wise and, and food-wise. I mean, I, don't, I still don't make the best decisions all the time, but because um, I, I guess I might be in a little bit of denial, I don't know. Um, kind of gave me a, a little kick in the pants. Um, to, to, to spend more time considering what it is I want to do, knowing that my life will be shorter than what I originally thought. Um, I have to make decisions based on that, you know, because people don't live very long. Or like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to live to be 80, I can assure you that. Um, but then the other thing is, you never know with the advancements of medicine well, either, right? Yeah. I mean, hopefully they come up with something soon because I, I want to stick around for a little while, but, um, how, you know. How has it changed your attitude? Uh, I, it may have changed it for the better, I think, um, because now I just, I, I don't let certain things get to me the way they would have before. Mm -hmm. And if they do, it doesn't last very long, you know, like stuff that used to make me really crazy. Um, I just kind of let it slide now because it's just not worth it. Um, and, and, you know, if you're stressing out over stuff, you're going to give yourself a damn heart attack. <laughs> you know, that's, that's pretty much how I have to sort of think of things. Um, and it's also the fact I, I recently turned 40. So um, there's a whole, I don't give a flying fuck attitude. You know, if you don't like my hair, fuck, I don't care. If you don't like, you know, whatever it is I'm doing, if you don't like it, you don't have to. I don't give a flying fuck because it works for me and it works for the people that love me. I still, you know, I, I still, I work hard. I do okay, you know, with the money. Um, anything, anything outside of that, you know, I have, I have some of the best friends in the world. That's all I need. If you don't like what I do, don't. Don't interrupt me while I'm continuing on with my own stuff. Because, like I said, you just, um, when you're, you know, when your life is threatened in that manner, you, um, you, you make adjustments and, it, and it, you get really depressed first, mm -hmm. right? Because you're like, oh my God, really? Like, I'm screwed here, right? So that, that lasted a little bit longer than, than I would care to admit, to be honest. But after that, you're like, this is, this is the only thing I've got now. How, how did you come out of that? I mean, I think I, it's normal that you would go through Oh, yeah, this. yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, they told me it would happen. Um, how, well, I just, it just sort of, it took, a, it took a while. And there's a lot of different reasons for that that I won't get into. But, um, one, like you just sort of realize that there's nothing I can do. I can't fix my heart. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can do a lot of stuff to prevent it from getting worse, but there's nothing I can do to fix it. Um, so, 
that's the way things are. You know, if somebody loses an arm, that's just the way things are. You're going to be upset about it for quite a while, I'm sure. But you, you either pull up your socks or you don't. And life, obviously, is too short to, to dwell on things like that. You just fix it. Did you, do you remember a moment where you felt like, oh, I'm out of this? No. No, it just... I mean, there was a lot of other stuff going on, too, um, that would have thrown anybody for a loop. Right. Um, never mind mm -hmm. this as well. Um, so I can't... I, I couldn't... I can't pinpoint it. I can't pinpoint it. And sometimes, I, I, you know, it crosses my mind. I think, oh, crap, yeah, like I'm not... You know, if I go on a date with a fellow, do I tell him? What do I do? Right? right. I don't know what the protocol is there, right? I, I probably won't because it'll, I don't want to well, send anybody running, you know, send anybody running for the hills just because. Probably not in the fifth, first 15 minutes. No, no, but I mean, it's just, you know, people, you know, they, they look like people that know about it and, or, and haven't seen me for a while. They kind of like, oh, are you okay? Oh, you know, and like they, they kind of feel sorry for me and I don't want them to because it could happen and it does happen to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I'm not the only one. I'm the only one, you know, probably one of the younger ones, but, you know, anybody that knows me and has known me for a long time knows that it's my own damn fault. How are you feeling these days? Good. All good? Pretty good. I should probably go to the gym more, but, you know, yeah. that's it. You know, get some muscle back and, you know, things like that. Maybe eat some more kale. I'm not sure. <laughs> haven't decided on that one yet. Um, you know, I'm starting to... You know, yeah. since I moved and I have a much nicer kitchen set up, um, I'm able to cook a lot better meals and, and have more fun doing it and, instead of in a grimy old kitchen that I had before. So that's kind of fun. And I feel great. Good. You know? Um, I'm going to wrap this up, but for anybody who's interested in knowing how to get in touch with you or if they think I'm putting out a new album, I need to know what I should be doing. Or I just spent the last hour listening to a crazy woman. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> if you want Gosh, to reach she the swears crazy. a lot. <laughs> How do they get in touch with you? Um, SarahFrenchPublicity.com And a Facebook presence? Sarah French Publicity. Just look for the little red flower. All right, well, thank you so much for doing oh, this. I thank really you. Sorry this. I swore so much. Fuck yeah. I know, fuck. No, I really appreciate it. No problem. Time.